Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. This is the podcast that's all about the cuisine that is said to have founded modern cooking. French ingredients and dishes have been the starting block for many of the world's best chefs and cooks. So on Fabulously Delicious, you'll learn all about those ingredients and dishes, as well as get to know more about fabulous French foodies. I'm your host, Andrew Pryor. Enchanté. Enchanté. Ten years ago, my life changed when I competed on MasterChef Australia. And now I'm living my best life right here in France. Cooking, eating, meeting wonderful locals, food producers, chefs, home cooks, drinking amazing wines, eating some of the over would you believe 1500 French cheeses, and sharing these fabulous experiences with you, my fabulously delicious audience. I hope you're enjoying them. Today is episode number 138, or 138. And today we are talking about a man that was a lawyer, magistrate and political figure in France at a time of revolution. So what does that have to do with food, you might ask? And French food? Well, good question. Those of you that are cheese lovers will know his last name as a delicious cheese. But he wasn't named after the cheese. Instead, the cheese was actually named after him. He is, some would say, the man that gave us gastronomy. And his opinions on food, written down at the end of his life, became a must-have for anyone into French food. And, well, food in general. Sit back. Turn the volume up. If you're not driving, pour yourself a glass of wine. Break a baguette. Add a bit of saucisson, maybe. Some of that delicious cheese. And enjoy today's episode of Fabulously Delicious. The story of Jean-Antoine Brillian Savarin. Jean-Antoine Brillian Savarin was born Wednesday the 2nd of April, 1755 at 62 Grand Rue in Belay, France. Belay is located in the Auvergne-Rhône-Alpes region of France, about 80 kilometres or 50 miles east of Lyon. Founded by the Romans, it's now the capital of Bouget. As of 2017, around 9,100 people lived in Belay. It's been the home of many famous writers, and during World War II, Gertrude Stein and Alice B. Toklas lived in the nearby town of Bilinia. Brigno Savarin was the child of lawyers on both sides of his family. His father, Marc-Anthon Brillian Savarin, was a leading lawyer in Belly, and his mother, Claudine Aurore Nehi Ricamere, was the daughter of Belly's notary royal. She also went by the nickname La Belle Aurore. Marc-Anthon Brillian Savarin's father was initially just Brillian, but in 1733, he would inherit all the property of his great-aunt and godmother, Marie-Gaspard Savran. It was condition of the will that he would add the name Savran to his, and that this would then be transmitted from eldest son to eldest son in the future. Jean Antoine was the eldest of eight children. He had two brothers, Xavier, who followed in his father's footsteps and became a lawyer, and Frederick, who joined the army. There was also five sisters, Pierrette, Josephette, Marie, Gaspardi, and Anthemolette. Growing up, Jean-Antem learnt to take good food seriously. His relation and fellow lawyer, Lucien Tendre, wrote about the area Brian Savarin grew up in. He said, No region offers a greater variety of provisions for the table. 
Our beef is of prime quality. The flesh of the sheep reared in our mountains has the succulent flavour of that of pre-selled lamb. The hams cooked in our homes are as highly appreciated as the most famous in the world. And the traditional belly sausage is as good as that of the Bologna mortadella. In our market, you will find plump chapons, chickens and ducks. Crayfish, trout and pike abound in our rivers. There is a profusion of truffles, morels and mushrooms in our woods. During his childhood, Bruno Savarin learned from his friends, acquaintances and his parents many unusual things about food, including a three-day method of cooking spinach, how to eat small game birds like ortolans, and how to prepare chocolate for drinking. He entered the college to Belly in 1764 at the age of 11. He would study Latin and Greek authors and learnt several languages and would be fluent in English, German and Spanish. The College de Belly, although staffed by a religious order, had a secular outlook. Its library contained works on agriculture and science, which Brilliant Savarin learnt from. He also took up the violin and loved to play it. He was so good that even though he was destined to be a lawyer like his father and grandfather, he longed for a career as a violinist. In 1774, Brilliant Savarin enrolled at the University of Dijon, with his main study being that of law. He also did some extracurricular studies in medicine and attended lectures in chemistry. Four years later, he would graduate and then return to Belly to practice law. He made his first appearance in a courtroom in September that year, and then three years later at the age of 26, he was appointed as a magistrate in the local civil court. He would become an advocate for the community and the poor who had suffered deprivations caused by years of financial crisis and poor harvest. It's thought that his first visit to the royal residence of the Chateau de Versailles was to ask for help for the people of his region. In 1789, Brillant Savant was elected to represent the third estate of Belly in the estate's Generale which was the national parliament of the time. At this time, he gave a public speech advocating for the death penalty. Two years later, he became the president of the civil tribunal for the new department of Ang. But when the politics in Paris became more radical and the monarchy was abolished, he was dismissed from this post for royalist sympathies. Elected to mayor of Belly in December 1792, he strove to protect his town from the excesses of the revolution during the Reign of Terror. The Reign of Terror was the period of the French Revolution following the creation of the First Republic that saw massacres and executions throughout France. During this period, Brilliant Savarin felt at risk of being arrested and executed. So on the 10th of December in 1793, he fled to Switzerland, where he took up residence in Lausanne and then with relations in Loudon. This is where he learnt to love the dish fondue. In Switzerland, Brian Savarin met Jean-Antoine de Rostan, the son of the Marquis, Just-Antoine de Rostan, who had fought with the French forces in the American War of Independence. Jean-Antoine suggested sailing to the US, and Brian Savarin agreed. 
So they made their way to Rotterdam, where they took a ship for an 80-day voyage to Manhattan, arriving on Tuesday the 30th of September in 1794. He stayed in the US for nearly two years, supporting himself by giving French lessons and also teaching the violin. He gave himself the title of professor. During this time, he also played first violin for the professional orchestra at the John Street Theatre in New York. He once said about his time in the US, The happiness I enjoyed there was chiefly due to the fact that the day of my arrival among the Americans, I spoke their language, dressed like them, took care not to be wittier than them, and praised all their ways, thus repaying the hospitality they showed me by a form of condescension, which I considered essential, and which I commend to all that may find themselves in a similar position. While staying with a friend in Hartford, Connecticut, he shot a wild turkey. He brought it back to the kitchen and roasted it, writing of this roasted bird that it was charming to behold, pleasing to smell, and delicious to taste. In the US, he also discovered Welsh rarebit and corned beef. He taught the art of making scrambled eggs to French chef Jean-Baptiste Peplin, a former cook of the Archbishop of Bordeaux. One of his favourite memories of this time in America was an evening at Little's Tavern in New York, where he and two other French emigrants beat two Englishmen in a competitive drinking bout in which they all consumed large quantities of claret, port, Madeira and punch, apparently. Rostang grew tired of his life in the US and returned to France in May 1795. Brillien Savoie was then deprived of his closest friend, and would amuse himself with numerous encounters with the opposite sex, apparently. He said of this time that being able to speak the language and flirt with women, he was able to reap the richest rewards. Running short of funds, he sailed home to France, arriving at the end of August in 1796. The political scene in France had changed by then, and was less radical. Brillant Savoie persuaded the authorities that the legal penalties imposed on emigrants should be rescinded in his case. Probably because of his reputation for his love of food, Brillant Savoin was appointed as secretary to the staff of the General Charles-Pierre Augereau and was put in charge of catering for the general staff, which he did so delightedly. After the Rhine campaign, the director appointed him president of the Criminal Court of Armed Department in 1798. And then, the state prosecutor for the department Senoise, based in Versailles. Napoleon, in 1799, appointed Brillant Savarin as a judge in the Tribunal de Cassation, which was the Supreme Court of Appeal. He would go on to be awarded the Legion of Honour in 1804, and in 1808, Napoleon would make him a Chevalier de Empire, Knight of the Empire. He would be one of the first of 1,600 people to be awarded this honour between 1808 and 1814. On a cold winter's day in 1808, Brillien Savoie would dine at one of his friend's places in the Faubourg Saint-Germain. When the dinner was over, it is said that the young ladies at the party wanted to dance. None of them, though, could play music. So one of the guests, the Abbé de Bombelle, who was the Bishop of Amiens, took to the piano and then Brillia Savron started to play the violin, and the dancing began. A group was formed for this dance, 
of a bishop and a judge of the Supreme Court. How fabulous. Fabulously Delicious is a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Some of my favourite fabulous shows on the Evergreen Podcast Network are the French History Podcast, where Dr. Gary Giraud explores events and people from three million years ago to today in France. Gary Giraud is a historian who has a PhD in modern British and French history. And another great podcast about French history on the Evergreen Network is Le Secle by David Montgomery. It's all about France's history from 1814 to 1914, a century in France that was one of both turmoil and stagnation, revolution and industrialization, wealth and poverty, and colonialism and humiliation. Check out these and other shows, as well as more episodes of Fabulously Delicious at evergreenpodcast.com. Coming to France? Planning a trip to Paris. Or you are those lucky ones that live in Paris already. I've been lucky to live in Paris as well, and I can say this, I ate my way through Paris for you. So with all that experience of eating and drinking, exploring the city of lights, love and good food, I thought, well, I need to bring that experience to you, my fabulously delicious audience. Because, well, hey, if you're listening, you probably love French food, right? So I created my first book, a food guide to Paris called Paris, a fabulous food guide to the world's most delicious city. In it, you'll find 379 recommendations, to be exact, consisting of 17 boulangeries, 28 cafes, 11 chocolate shops, 13 fromageries, 15 markets, or marchés as they call them here in France, 17 patisseries, 172 restaurants, and 27 wine bars, to name just a few. But there's also food streets, gourmet and kitchen supply stores, and so much more. Paris, A Fabulous Food Guide to the World's Most Delicious City is a 2024 edition. So that means it's up to date with all the recommendations. So if you're planning a trip or coming this year to Paris, it's perfect for you. You can get a copy on my website, andrewpriorfabulously.com, where you can even get a signed and gift package version. Or, if you want, you can get the book on Amazon, and there's also a Kindle version. I hope you enjoy it. Brilliant Savron lived in Paris at this time on Rue de Richelieu. He became famous amongst the Parisian society for his dinners. And this was not only filled with the who's who of Paris society, but these dinners would also end up being mentioned in his future book, The Physiology de Goutte. He would mention one guest in particular in this book, Juliette Reclamier, who was not only his cousin, but a French socialite, who turned down an offer of marriage from Prince August of Prussia. It's thought that Juliet was the love of Brilliant Savarin's life. Brilliant Savarin, however, remained a bachelor all his life. For years, he worked on his Physiologie de Goutte manuscript. He would add, revise and polish it over and over again. Its contents were well known to his friends and family, but he was reluctant to publish it but finally did so anonymously in December 1925. The full title of the book is... Now wait for this. It's a big title. Possibly one of the largest titles I've ever read of a book. Here we go. I'll try to get it right for you. Physiologie du goût. 
or méditation de gastronomie transcendant, ouvrage théorique, historique et à l'ordre du jour, dédié aux gastronomes parisiens par un professeur, membre de plusieurs sociétés littéraires et savantes. Translated, that means physiology of taste or transcendent gastronomic meditation, a theoretical, historical and topical work dedicated to Parisian gastronomes by a professor and member of several literary and learned societies. The book has been printed in France continuously since it first appeared in 1825. Brilliant Savrault wanted to make culinary art into a real science, and engaged in thorough analysis throughout the book of the mechanics of taste. He also touched on thinness and obesity, the influence of diet on rest, fasting, exhaustion and death. The book contains observations on certain foods and preparations of recipes, stews, boiled poultry and game, truffles, sugar, coffee and chocolate. It's less a cookbook, but more a witty companion of random chit-chat and his perceptions, antidotes and observations of every kind that can enhance the pleasure of the table, it said. With the occasional recipe thrown in as well, in the book, he created a dish in honour of his mother, a square-shaped pie combining many meats, several stuffings and pistachios. It's called the Pillow of the Belle Or remembering that her nickname was La Belle Aure. In the book, he wrote about the pleasure of eating. He says, The pleasure of eating is the current and direct sensation of a need that is satisfied. The pleasure of the table is the thoughtful sensation which arises from the various circumstances of facts, places, things and people that accompany the meal. The pleasure of eating is common to us with animals. It only assumes hunger and what it takes to satisfy it. The pleasure of the table is particular to the human species. It presupposes background care for the pre-meds of the meal, for the choice of place and the gathering of guests. The pleasure of eating requires, if not hunger, at least appetite. The pleasure of the table is most often independent of each other. These two states can always be observed during our feasts. Sadly, on Thursday the 2nd of February 1826, Jean-Antem Briand-Savard passed away at the age of 70. He died in Paris after attending a service at the Basilica of Saint-Denis. He had a cold which turned into pneumonia. He's buried at the Pierre Chase Cemetery in Paris. Physiologie to Goethe has been translated into many different languages. The first was an English version, translated by Fayette Robinson, which was published in the US in 1854, 28 years after his death, under the title The Physiology of Taste or Transcendent Gastronomy. In the 19th century, two translations in English were published in the UK. This was done in three different versions. The first completed translation was not released until 1884 in London by publishers Nimmo and Bain. Alan Davidson, in the Oxford Companion to Food, praised M.F.K. Fisher's translation of Bouillard Savoyan's book as outstanding, 
and in the US in the 70s, the book was published under the title The Philosopher in the Kitchen, and then again in 2011 under the title The Pleasures of the Table. The book helped to align Brillat Savoin with French food, and he was credited as being one of the founders of the genre of gastronomic essays, or cookbook writing. British journalist Anthony Lane said that the physiology of taste is a cookbook is like saying that that Turgenev's sportsman's sketches is a guide to hunting. I've never heard of Turgenev, so I can only assume that this was a compliment. Success of the book exceeded all expectations and was celebrated around the world. Many people say that the book has taken its place amongst the great classics of the world. Literary critics praise and tributed him after his death. Brillian Savant, in his lifetime, also wrote other books about law and political economy. In 1802, he published Vue et Projects d'Economie Politique, Political Economy, Plans and Prospects. In 1818, a book titled Fragments of a Work in Manuscript Called Legal Theory and a study of archaeology of the Arm Department in 1820. He wrote even a history of dueling and apparently a number of racy sort stories that have been lost except for one, Voyage à Arras, which remains today. Balzac wrote a biographical essay on Brilliant Savoir, which was published in 1829. Brilliant Savoir was a proponent of a low-carb diet. He thought that sugar and white flour was the cause of obesity, and he thought that we should be eating more protein-rich ingredients. He came to this from observing carnivorous animals, saying that the wolves, jackals, birds of prey and crows never got fat. British cookery writer Elizabeth David was outraged by some of the things that Brian Savran had said when he was alive and written about. One in particular was, Brian Savran had said, Dessert without cheese is like a pretty woman with only one eye. Elizabeth David was quoted, How much harm has this tyrannical maxim of brilliant savants done to all our waistlines and our digestions? The Hotel de Crillon, a luxury five-star hotel in Paris, and also the Savoy Hotel in London, on the anniversary of brilliant savants' death, held commemorative banquets in 1926. Some of the dishes included Les Divis de Belay, a blend of foie gras and crayfish, and Les Oufs, Brouilleux, Brilliant Savoir, which was scrambled eggs with truffles. In the 1930s, Henri Andriette, a cheesemaker from Normandy and Paris, named cheese after Brilliant Savoir. This is personally one of my favourite cheeses in France, and is often always in my fridge, but not for long. The cheese is a soft cheese that I like to describe as a luxury cream cheese. You don't need any butter on your baguette when you've got Brilliant Savarin. There's also a dish named after him called Bordeaux de Pomme Brilliant Savarin, which translates to Apple Ring Brilliant Savarin. This is a cake that is steeped in syrup that's been flavoured with rum and then it's served surrounded with stewed apples and a rum-flavoured creme patissier. The cake is also often called a savarin. It was invented by Parisian pâtissier Julien as a variant on the rum baba. In Brussels, you can take a stroll down Avenue Brillant Savarin, or in Paris, the Rue de Brillant Savarin, 
and the same name streets in Nîmes and Dijon. There are many quotes in his book, and here are a few that I love. Animals feed each other. Man eats. The man of mind alone knows how to eat. Tell me what you eat, and I'll tell you what you are. This quote is actually where we get the saying, you are what you eat. And I love this one. The discovery of a new dish does more for the happiness of the human race than the discovery of a star. If you enjoyed this episode of Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast, the story of series, then make sure you check out other previous episodes where we've talked about other fabulous chefs that have made history in one way or another in French food. We've discovered the father of French cooking, some would say, Marie-Antoine Carême, Auguste Escoffier, who set up the working processes in today's commercial kitchens, Eugène Brésier, who many would say is the mother of French cooking, well, at least one of the most famous and important, Mère Lyonnaise, and another fabulous French woman who founded the acclaimed Le Cordon Bleu, Elisabeth Pressard. To learn more about these fabulous French chefs and cooks and their stories, then please check them out on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast, and search The Story Old. That's it for another episode of Season 4 of Fabulously Delicious. Had you heard of Jean-Antoine Brillant-Savarin before? What's the most fabulous thing you've learned from today's episode? Let me know by contacting me via Instagram, slide into my DMs at andrewpriorfabulously, or email me on contact at andrewpriorfabulously.com. I love to chat with you all. We could just chat a chat about Brillant Savarin if you like. I just love talking to people about food, and especially French food. Thank you for listening, and remember, you know what my motto is. Whatever you do, do it fabulously. Merci beaucoup, and bon app. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.